Hi, everyone, and welcome to the So My Sister podcast. My name is Sarah. And mine is Taylor. We started the So My Sister podcast because we want to help Christian women thrive in the life that God gave them and to provide uplifting and encouraging content for all of our sisters in Christ. Both learning how to love yourself and glorify God in who you are by diving into the Bible and seeing how it relates to being a Christian woman today. We hope you join us each week as we learn right along with you. So my sisters, let's get started. So my sister, Sarah. So my sister, Taylor. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am lovely. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear. Um, we're getting some critiques on our podcast. We, we are. Okay. Let me hear them. <laughs> Okay, so they're not bad, but I have gotten a few comments about how much we say I love that so much. Oh, no. We do say that a lot. <laughs> we do, but like you can ask anyone in our lives. Like You, you can ask our in-laws, our husbands. This is how we talk to each other. We yes. legitimately say that to each other just uh, probably more in real life than we do on the podcast. So we'll try to tone it down for you guys. Don't worry. Like, no promises. No, definitely it is not. actually how we talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, when we're both at our in-laws' house, we probably say that at least 20 times a day. At least. Yeah. So, Sarah, I texted you and said that I have a hot take. Are you ready for it? I'm not ready, but I am willing to be ready now. Okay. I specifically saved this for recording. Um, yes. I'm scared. And this is going to be rich coming from me, right? Because I am a notorious trend slash fad follower. I don't like the Stanley Cup. <gasps> I oh, don't. Taylor. I've used them for like, I don't know, I got my first one like last year at some point and then I accidentally left it at my parents' house. So when they were shipping it home to me, I ordered another one because I didn't want to like live without it, right? But I don't think I like them. I have this like reduce tumbler that I bought before like the Stanley Cup fad trend okay. was, you know, a thing. And I like that more, like genuinely. Really? And I don't know if it's that – it's just not comfortable to carry around and it leaks. It does. I was at the church the other day and I was walking and Evan was like, you are like dropping water everywhere you go. And I was like, well, at least right. you'll be able to find me. Like I'm leaving a path. <laughs> <laughs> and in this one that I'm using right now, like I've had this – the Stanley Cup for me like never keeps my ice like for two days like it says it does. Mm. This ice has been in here since yesterday. Like I filled this up yesterday with ice and and I don't love the new colors. I kind of like the like first gen Stanley Cups that they put out. The second ones that I just was not even going to waste my money because I just okay. don't like them that much. Okay. Okay. So that like slightly hurts my heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you had one before they were like trendy. You've had yours yes. for like a couple of years. Yes. I love my Stanley Cup. Like whenever they first started getting trendy, I was all about it. I love my Stanley Cup. I have two of them. I carry them every single day. And actually, my mom and dad bought me for Christmas the 64 ounce. So it's like right. the huge water bottle. And I carry that to work every day. 
and I love it. Like, I love that it's my favorite color. I love how adorable it is. I love the straw and the handle. Like, I love everything about it. And so I love you. And so I'm okay with you not liking the Stanley Cup, but it does make me slightly sad. <laughs> I will still use them because I am a slave to consumerism, if there's one thing about me. Like, I, I will follow the trends. I am a marketing manager's dream for any brand. If I see it on TikTok, I'm buying it. Like. I just I will I, I seriously I will I fall into every every single trend yes and if you know us like in real life you know that Taylor keeps me relevant so like when the trends happen if it's my birthday or Christmas Taylor makes sure that I have the trend item because she keeps me relevant so she got me the lululemon fanny pack and I wear it every day and people are like that is so cool and I'm like I'm gonna be honest with you my sister-in-law keeps me cool like (laughs) Taylor's trendy and helps me be trendy (laughs) I love it I love that so much Sarah I love how like the first couple episodes we really kept it tame but now that now that people are kind of hooked like the people that are listening are listening right We're, we're not holding back we're going to have fun this week, for sure. And this week's we are. topic, Taylor, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this topic because it is just something that I hold so near and dear to my heart. I have taught about this topic. I talked to my friends about this topic. Like, it just means so much to me. So I am so excited to be talking about it to all of our sisters today. I am too. So let's jump into it. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about your ministry. And I know that you might be thinking, okay, (laughs) that's kind of the point of the podcast. It's broad and vague, Taylor. But we're going to be talking about your ministry being so much more than what happens inside of your church walls. I think one thing that we really want to be intentional about with recording these podcast episodes is being real and being vulnerable. Like we said, we are learning right alongside you. We have just as many questions and um, we just want to be authentic. So my sisters, when Sarah and I sat down, I think it was, it was December because you were here for Christmas and Sarah came over and we were kind of writing down our concrete plans for the podcast. And we were talking about our ministries and different topics that we could talk about each week. She said something that really stuck with me. And Sarah said that her job is her ministry. She feels called to represent Christ well in the workplace. And that seriously punched me in the gut in the best way possible. It punched me in the gut because she said that to me during a period of time where I was so overwhelmed with work and church and everything in between. I was just genuinely getting to the point of just utter burnout. Um, And I was just kind of frustrated. I felt like everything I had going on was taking away from quote unquote ministry. And it was taking away from doing the things that I actually wanted to be doing. Um, And after Sarah had said that, I became very intentional with my prayers when it came to my ministry and more specifically my job. I wanted to see my job the same way I saw pulpit ministry or ministry just inside the church in general. And in praying those prayers 
over the past few months, God really changed my heart because in reality, if I'm not doing everything I do in the name of Jesus, if I am not walking into my office every single day, well, not every day, Monday through Friday, and seeing that as a mission field and seeing that the same way that God views all ministry, there's not really a point in doing it. Absolutely. And Taylor, thank you so much for just being vulnerable and sharing that. And I feel like this is what we want out of this podcast. We want to learn. We want to grow together as sisters in Christ. And God definitely spoke to my heart many years ago about our topic today. I would love to just take a moment and share what he spoke into my life. As I was finishing up my bachelor's degree many years ago, I was trying to decide what my next step was in life. So with my career choice, you have to have a master's degree to practice as a speech-language pathologist. So I was trying to decide between applying to graduate school or doing something else. Many years before that, I felt God tell me that I was called to missions. And this laid heavily on me as I was trying to decide what to do after I graduated college. Looking back now, I realized that I had such a narrow view of what God was calling me to do. I had convinced myself that if I was called to missions, my only options were to move away to a different country or do a program like AIM or go to a Bible college and study missions. And one day I was just sitting in one of my classes, really wrestling with my decision, and I prayed one simple prayer. All I said in my head in that moment was, God, tell me what to do. At that moment, I felt God tell me to just look around the room. And as I looked around the room at all of my classmates, God spoke to me and said, I will call you to the mission field I want you to be in. And my whole view of God's calling on my life and my ministry changed in that very moment. I knew immediately that God was calling me to go to graduate school and to follow his plan for my life. God taught me that day that my mission field is wherever he leads me, and I am called to minister to the people he has placed in my life. And in going to graduate school, I was able to connect with my classmates. I was able to start a Bible study with some of my classmates. And throughout my career, I feel like God has placed me exactly where he wants me to reach the people around me. And I'm just so thankful that God opened my eyes that I could follow his plan for my life. I love the point that you brought up about there being different mission fields in every area of life. Because I I did go to Bible college. I went to Urshan. Um, and a lot of people like to joke about how everyone their first year is called to missions. That's something that I heard all my four years in Bible college and when I graduated about how everyone's called to missions their freshman year. But And this is in no way, shape, or form trying to diminish what missionaries do. It is necessary. They are a vital, vital part of the body. And my best friend is an MK. (laughs) I am not trying to diminish being on the mission field in foreign countries whatsoever. But I did fall into that where I really felt like I was called to missions. But I also, I have a chronic illness. And I really wrestled with that for a while. 
And it came to a point where I really felt like I was being called to missions and I felt like I needed to move away and move to a foreign country and do all this great stuff for God. But it came to a point where I realized that if this was going to happen, I either needed a miraculous healing um, because I I need the medical care that America is able to provide for me. I, I cannot go without it. I literally will die without it. And that didn't happen. But in praying, I really felt a spiritual release from that because America in itself is a mission field. That's why we have North American missionaries. Your job is a mission field. Your office is a mission field. Your grocery store is a mission field. There are, there are so many ways to interpret that. So yes, you could be called to missions. You could be called to a foreign country, but you could also be called to missions right in your your own city. So I love that. So I, I love that so much, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Sarah, do you want to share with everyone <laughs> before you went to grad school, what you, uh, what you are considering doing with your life? Okay. So I'm pretty sure this is Taylor's favorite fact about me. <laughs> it is. Favorite fact. <laughs> so Before I went to grad school, I was working at a pest control company. Uh, It was an amazing company. I loved my boss. And I was the office manager, but he had told me that if I was interested in getting my license to actually do pest control, that he would send me out on calls and I could make more money. And so I seriously considered getting my pest control license to actually do pest control. But then I realized I should probably put that energy and that time into the career path that God was calling me to. So I ended up not doing that. But yes, that is Taylor's favorite fact about me is that I was almost in pest control. I'm dying. That's so funny. Here's the fundamental difference between Sarah and I, okay? You could offer me a million dollars a year seven weeks of PTO, all like my housing, my school, everything paid for to be an exterminator. And I would not do it. Like there's just (laughs) no way. There's just, I could not even fathom. I could not do it. And to me, I was like, I'm already here. I, and to be working in the office, I had to know, you know, some inch or some information about pest control. So I had already taken courses about like termites and all these <laughs> different things. And so I was like, ah, it's just one step further into this. And uh, obviously, God like steered me in a different direction. But yes, I consider you Jesus going into pest control for a part of my life. <laughs> All right. So, whoa. (laughs) After we pull ourselves together, I am going to read Matthew chapters 5, verses 13 through 16 um, to kind of get us into our topic a little bit more today. And those verses say, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So salt has two main purposes, right? I'm going to break down the first couple verses and Sarah's going to break down the second. Salt has two main purposes. Unless you live in Michigan, then there is three because there's salt on the roads nine months out of the year. It snows a lot here. (laughs) So one of the first main purposes is to enhance flavor. So my sister Sarah, I don't know if you experienced this when you started dating Evan, But the one thing that I noticed within the entire Zenobia family is that they aggressively salt their food. Like, more than anyone I've ever met. They put salt on everything. Sometimes Blake literally salts his coffee. They salt their food so much. And I grew up in a family where we ate out a lot. And I didn't really think of like salting my food that much unless it was like French fries or something like that. So one day I asked Blake, like, what's the deal? What's the deal with all the salt? And he just said, like, one of salt's main purposes is just to enhance flavor. That's why it's literally in everything. And I know that this is going to sound cheesy, but Jesus adds so much flavor to our lives. And when you are living a life where you are letting Jesus shine through, you are literally being the salt of the earth to everyone around you. You are you are adding so much. You're adding peace. You're adding joy. You are adding love to everyone else's life that you come in contact with every day. The other purpose of salt is to preserve food. Salt in nature is a preservative. The Zenobias also really love to cook. So when you marry a Zenobia, you learn a lot of different things about cooking. They also love to research different techniques about cooking. They're very technical when it comes to that. And one day Blake was explaining the process of dry aging something or um, preserving something with salt. And a lot of like deli meats are preserved with salt, like salami, pepperoni. A lot of steaks are dry aged. The way you do that is cover the meat in salt and then you cover it in like a cheesecloth and then you hang it to dry. And after a certain amount of time, it's safe to eat. And as Christians, especially in the workplace, we act as the salt. You can go into your workplace and completely change the dynamic of the team you're working on. And you can keep harmful and damaging conversations and actions from happening. One example that I wanted to share was every Friday we have a team meeting. So this Friday I hopped on my call and we typically start these meetings with something good. My boss has everyone go around and we have to say something good that we accomplished throughout the week, a goal that we met, something like that. But this past Friday, we had to say something good about someone else on our team. So we went around and when it got to my friend who is another community membership manager on my team, and this is obviously, this is not to boast or brag on myself or anything of that nature. She said that, I was her something good in the fact that I am able to kind of talk her down if something, if like a conflict arises or something is happening within our team and I can essentially be that peacemaker. And it has taken a lot of time, a lot of therapy, a lot of prayer for me to become that person. Because if I'm being honest, I have not always been the peacemaker. It's been a journey for me to get to that place. Right, exactly. And I'm so 
thankful that you shared that and that you were so vulnerable in sharing that because like you said, when we share those things, it's not to brag or to boast about ourselves, but it's to show that God's spirit is working inside of us and to show that in those situations, he can bring peace through us and that other people can feel that peace and they can feel that comfort. And so when we share things that happen like that, it's not about us and it's only to glorify God because we're bragging on God. We're showing that maybe I've not always been a peacemaker, but God has taught me how to do that. And he can bring peace into a situation through me. And how beautiful is that? So I'm actually going to break down the second part of the verses that Taylor shared earlier. And it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Taylor, I find myself praying often, Lord, let me be a light for you today. I've prayed for years and years, God, let me be an impact on this world for you. Lord, let me be a light for you today. We live in a world that has so much constant darkness. And this scripture describes us as the light of the world. So what does that mean? The first part of these scriptures say, your light is like a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. When you are a light for Jesus, you are representing him in every single thing that you do. And that can't be hidden. Like we said in episode one of the podcast, every good thing comes from God. And when we are a light and we spread goodness in this world, all of that glory goes to God. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier. You bringing peace into that situation is because you represented God in that situation. Bringing comfort, bringing strength into situations is you representing God. And it's God who gets all of the glory. Then this scripture explains that when you put a lamp on a stand, it gives light to everyone in the house. This is the part of the scripture that just makes me excited. And I just want to talk about it because it says it gives light to everyone in the house. A little self-disclosure. When I was younger, I was scared of the dark. I'm sure many of us could say that. And so when I would sleep, I would turn my room light off and I would leave my closet light on. And that would just give me enough comfort to fall asleep. And when I was preparing for this podcast episode, I thought of that example when I was thinking about being a light in this world. When you are representing Christ in your day-to-day life, everyone around you will see that and will be impacted by that light. You are giving light to people around you who may be struggling with darkness in their own lives. I think of myself as a child in a room when all the lights were off and that caused fear. It caused anxiety and I was scared of that darkness. I think about people who are dealing with darkness in their everyday life who are just wanting light. They are just wanting to be able to see around them and make sure that they are safe. And we are called to be the light in this world for Jesus. And by choosing to be a light for God, 
He can use you to give comfort, to give peace, to give joy and strength and so much more to people who are hurting and need him. And when you let your light shine for God, when you represent him in everything that you do, you are glorifying your father in heaven and people will notice that. So if you know me, you know that I am constantly smiling, constantly Constantly. (laughs) like my dad used to, and he still does to this day, sing the song, Sarah Smile to me all the time because I am always smiling. And even Evan will describe me to people as sunshine. He says like, she's just sunshine. I love that so much. (laughs) So I tend to be very optimistic. I tend to see the good in things. I love to smile. I love to find joy in my daily life. With that being said, I've had a lot of people in my life ask me questions like, how are you so happy all the time? (laughs) And why do you smile all the time? Why are you always smiling? In those moments, I get to tell people how amazing my God is and how he is the reason for my joy. He is the reason for my smile. He is the one who gives me happiness. I get to tell people, look at my God. He cares for me so much. He loves me so much. I get to tell people how he saved me and how I can trust him to give me everything I need. Like we talked in episode one, when you let your light shine before others, people will notice that they're going to notice your good deeds. They're going to notice you putting others before yourself. They're going to notice your kindness and your caring nature. When you do that, You are glorifying and praising and worshiping your father in heaven. You're representing God. That is so true. And it's true that Sarah is literally smiling 24-7. Even when she's upset, she's like, if you could see my face right now, I'm smiling really big. She's always like, it's fine. (laughs) It's totally okay. Like all the time. And it's so true what you said. Like people notice God shining through you. People notice your demeanor. People notice how you act and you respond to situations. Um, We always tell our youth group the story about Blake when he first started working in the buildings department for our city. He started as a rental inspector. And one day he was going through a house and the landlord was there and he wasn't super happy that Blake was there. Obviously, you know, he's there to like tell you to fix things, right? So Blake left the house and his boss gets a call from this landlord when Blake is still gone. And this guy tells Blake's boss that Blake had cussed him out walking through the house and was just super rude to him and did all these things. And when Blake got back to the office, his boss was like, hey, I got a call from this landlord. He said that you cussed him out. His boss said, but I told him I have never heard Blake say a cuss word ever, and I am certain that that did not happen. So um, we'll look through – like they were body cams, thankfully, and I'm really thankful for it because it keeps Blake safe. So they looked through the body cam footage, and lo and behold, Blake just did his job, was not being rude whatsoever, and those also have audio. So – you could clearly tell that Blake did not cuss this random man out. But even before looking at that, his boss knew like that is just not in Blake's character. Blake is not an aggressive or mean person or rude person ever. And that's because Blake goes into the workplace and lets 
the glory of the Lord shine through him. Absolutely. And when you represent God, people notice that, like I said, and in situations like that, people know your character. They know what you will and will not do. And I just think that that is just such a cool story because Blake's boss already knew that that was not true because Blake has represented Christ well in what he was doing. And I just love that story. Right. It's important to represent Christ in all areas of life, but especially in the workplace. When you think about it, when you think about your week, you spend the most time at work. It's like 25% of your week, right? But then you think another 25% of that is sleeping and then you're commuting to work and back. So you spend a very large percentage of your week at work with your coworkers. And if you intentionally go into your workplace with Christ at the forefront of your mind, I've noticed that a few things happen. It changes how you handle conflict. Proverbs 12 and 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly like thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise man brings healing. I love this verse because there was a large portion of my life where I pretty much pretended like this verse wasn't in the Bible, Um, especially through high school. If someone made me mad, I was going to let them know, and it was not going to be kind, and it was not going to be productive conversation. I just wanted to say my piece. I did not want resolution. I just wanted to let you know I was mad, and then I wanted to leave. And obviously, that wasn't Christ-like. That's not a Christ-like way to handle conflict. And listen, I'm still not perfect. There are definitely days where I have to step back and kind of analyze what's going on. I have to get my emotions in check because I'm still a person and I do let my emotions get the best of me. I'm a very sensitive person at that. I really have to be intentional about not letting my emotions run my every thought. When you are intentionally representing Christ in the workplace and a conflict arises, it's much easier to take a step back and think, I want the way that I handle this situation to lead people to Christ. I want the glory of the Lord to shine through me in this conflict, in this scenario, and not push them further away because I didn't handle this in an appropriate manner. You also start to become more thankful for your job. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, when Sarah and I were first kind of making our plans, I was really burnt out. And it was hard for me to be thankful for not just my job, but anything. I was just so overwhelmed with everything. But in changing my prayers and intentionally praying for my job, for my coworkers, I am so thankful that I have a office to go to every day where I can spread the gospel, where I can spread the love of Jesus. And I'm thankful that I have means to provide for my family. You also start building better and stronger relationships. And if I'm being honest again, this was something that was really hard for me, uh, honestly, up until the past few years when I graduated and started working in more professional environments. 
it was something that I really had to be intentional about. It didn't come easy for me. And when I first started working, I was a teenager, so I was awkward and I didn't really view it as something that was super important. Um, But like Sarah said in our first episode, we view the relational aspects of ministry very important. And personally, I feel that if you're not building relationships with people, you are missing a huge step in the discipleship process. And the last one is that you work harder. Colossians 3 and verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I never want the people that I work with, work with or for to think, yeah, Taylor's a minister and she really loves Jesus and she comes here every day, but she's kind of lazy and she never gets all of her work done. And I just, I never want that to be someone's thought process. God gives us strength and wisdom, not just to be used within the church walls, but in all areas of our life. Absolutely. And one thing that I try to remember is that our coworkers and everybody that we interact with every single day are children of God. They're created by God, even if they don't realize it or even if they don't know that. We have to represent God in our daily lives not just on Sundays. God loves every single person you have ever come in contact with. Taylor, that thought came to me the other day and it just stopped me in my tracks. God loves every single person. Every single one. Isn't that amazing? Every single person I have ever seen in a store, I have ever worked with, I have ever lived near, every single person God loves. The person you talk to on the phone, your coworker, your customer, your patient, your boss, your students, every single person he has created and is one of his children and he loves them. So how can I represent God when I'm spending time with one of his children? So the first thing that I can do is I can love them. Love is truly the foundation of how we are supposed to treat others. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 22 that the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. He even said that all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. We have to love others. But that scripture says we don't just have to love them, we have to love them as ourselves. And that is so convicting to me because I think of all the things that I do for myself. I forgive myself. I encourage myself. I believe in myself. I take care of myself on a day-to-day basis. If I'm having a hard day, I'm going to go get myself a treat because I think that I deserve that. And I just think of all the things that I do to take care of myself. Yes. Everyone deserves a special little treat every day. Absolutely. And so, Taylor, I think of all the things that I do to take care of myself. And then I read that scripture and God is calling me to love my neighbors, to love other people in my life as I love myself. I'm called to forgive them. I'm called to give them grace. I'm called to encourage them. I'm called to believe in them and take care of them. And it may be difficult at times. It's not always going to be easy. But when you're with those people, you have to think, this is God's child. How would he want me to treat them? So, Taylor, I'm going to ask you a very random question. Have you ever been 
intentionally spit on in the face. Not that I can remember, but my first job was working in a daycare. So I'm certain that it happened at some point, but no, like not that I can just pinpoint like a memory. No. Okay. So I have one of those memories. I can pinpoint it. I will never forget it as long as I live. So I'm going to share that memory with you. So I was working at a school and it's not the one that I'm currently working in, but I was working with a student and he was very frustrated with me because he did not want to work with me right then. He wanted to go and have free time and play on his tablet. And I was asking him to do speech therapy. And so he was not very happy with me. And so I was asking him to do something and he turned towards me and with literally no warning spits directly in my face, directly in my face. And thank goodness it was right after COVID. So I had a mask on and a face shield. And so the spit did not get on me, on my skin, but still it was completely shocking in the moment. And he looked at me kind of like, how are you going to deal with this? And I had to stop. And in my humanity, I wanted to react in so many different ways. But I stopped and I immediately prayed. That was like my knee-jerk reaction. And I thought in my head, God, I want to represent you in this moment. And so I just stopped and I took a very deep breath. (laughs) And (laughs) I looked at him completely unfazed. And I said, I understand that you don't want to do this right now, but I need you to do this. And so he actually answered the questions that I was asking him to answer. And then I told him, all right, Miss Zenobia is going to go clean off her mask and I'm going to come back and we're going to finish our work. And he said, okay. And like in that moment where I could have been angry, I could have yelled, I could have done so many different things. I truly give God all the glory that he gave me patience in that moment to handle a situation that was very hard to handle with a person that he created with his child. And so I handled that situation all through God in a way of patience and love. And I give all of that glory to God. So like I said earlier, we have to love others no matter what the situation is. This is why Sarah is one of my role models. (laughs) And (laughs) we are, when we tell you guys that we are learning with you, like we are growing with you, it's not an exaggeration because when Sarah first told me the story, my first like thought was, if this ever happened to me, I would not have even given a two weeks. I would have just walked out. Like that would have been my last day on the job, right? But hearing Sarah say how she handled that is convicting. And I not even just in the workplace, I think I think that's how we should handle conflict in every area of our life. When we're dealing with a conflict or we're dealing with any situation, I want to be able to step back and think to myself, okay, if this person asks God for forgiveness right now, it would happen just like that. Their Mm -hmm. slate would be washed clean. He forgives without question. Mm -hmm. I need to learn how to do the same with Mm -hmm. everyone in my life. Yeah. Wow. That hit me. That's very convicting. 
like we said, you have to love other people. And in loving other people, we have to pray for them. So that's the next point I want to make. We have to pray for others. This is so important. We have to pray for our coworkers. We have to pray for our clients, our patients, our bosses, our students, whatever it is, whoever it is in your life, you need to pray for them. One of my friends told me something the other day that really stuck with me, and I wanted to share it with all of you. She was talking about professionals in the church, and she said that people don't realize what they are walking into when they are working with an apostolic or with a Christian professional. Patients are walking into a hospital room where an apostolic medical professional has prayed for healing. Students are walking into classrooms where an apostolic teacher has prayed for understanding and patience. Clients are walking into law offices where an apostolic lawyer has prayed for wisdom in cases. People are contracting with apostolic business owners that have prayed for growth in their companies and that will deal with their customers with honesty and with integrity. And the list could just go on and on. People don't understand what they are working with and who they are working with when they work with people who love God and live for God. Like for me, when people work with me, they're not just getting Sarah, the speech language pathologist. They're getting Sarah who prays for her students, who prays for her students' families. They're getting Sarah who prays for wisdom when deciding on treatment plans and goals for her students. They're getting Sarah who prays for healing. They're not just getting a speech-language pathologist. And that's what I want to communicate today is that we have to be God's hands and feet everywhere that we go. We underestimate sometimes the power of prayer. And James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We must pray for the people that we interact with every day. That is so amazing. I I know we say I love that so much, but I do. I, I love that. I love how you put that. Like it, when people walk into an office building or they walk into a hospital and they, they don't realize that how much prayer has, has covered their patients and their clients and their coworkers. I just think that that's so important that we bring prayer into our daily lives and into our professions and into the mission fields that God has called us to be in. Exactly. So we do have to be willing and ready to share the truth. First Peter 3 and verse 16 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So when, not if, because it will happen. When people ask what you believe, be ready to share God's beautiful truth with boldness. Don't shy away from questions because God has literally placed you in that position to share his truth and represent him. I tell this to our youth group all the time. God has put them in their school, in their extracurriculars, in their friend groups for a reason. Because so there's this kid, his name's Garrett. He is the funniest kid. He's in our youth group, but he is super athletic. He plays every sport. He is with teenage boys 
every single week, day in and day out. And if I walked onto Garrett's soccer field and I started witnessing to all of his friends, they would be like, get this crazy lady off the field. We don't know her. We don't know what she's talking about. Because that's not where God placed me. God placed Garrett on that team and in that group of people for a reason because Garrett has commonality with them. Garrett relates to them. So if they're going to listen to anyone about Jesus, they're going to listen to Garrett. God places you in your job in the grocery store. He, Whether you know it or not, doing the mundane tasks, you are walking in the divine will of God, whether it's going to the grocery store or picking up your kids from school. You are in the will of God because he's placed you there for a reason. Absolutely. And God has called you to your profession and wherever he leads you every single day. It wasn't by accident that you loved being a nurse or that you loved being a social worker or a teacher or an event planner. It's not by accident that you have a talent in that area. And it's not by accident that you're working with the people that you're working with. God has placed you there. God has called you to that job, to that profession, and he has placed you in the mission field that he wants you to be in. We have to dedicate those talents and those professions to him because what we do every single day is a ministry. And just as 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, do it all for the glory of God. Exactly. And God can use your professional skills in the church. I work for a nonprofit. I love working in nonprofit. It is where my skill sets lie. It's where my interests lie. I love looking at target demographics. I love looking at data. I love hitting goals. That's where my interests and skill sets are. And there have been multiple times where God has used those skills and those interests for the church, we work a lot with the youth committee in Michigan, and we help with events. We help with Move the Mission campaigns. Don't ever view your job as just a job. Don't ever think that your job doesn't have kingdom impact because it does. For me and my career path, God has led me to certain jobs at certain times. And one thing that I've learned is how to work with people with disabilities and I have gotten very involved in a ministry called ABLE because of that. And I was just able to start a ministry at my church to support people with disabilities in the church. And God taught me those skills that I needed through my profession and through my workplace. And so I love what you just said because God uses the skills that he teaches you in all areas to further the kingdom. So my sisters, I want to end this episode by reading Colossians 3 and 17. Whatever I say and what I do, I do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Every single day when you go into the places that God has called you to go, you are called to represent him. So my sisters, we loved diving into the word of God with you this week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so my sister and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you like about our podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.